This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. from the next part of our series. And our series is called Life. Our series is called Life. We're coming out of John chapter 10, verse 10, with these famous words from Jesus, where he says, I have come so that they, the people on your row, the people behind you, the people on the live stream, the people way beyond this room, that they may have life and have it to the full. I don't know about you, but that sounds good this morning, right? life to the full, the full expanse of life that Jesus came to give us. And as part of this series, in the next two um, weeks, we're going to look at the next statement that Jesus makes. Because in chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And over the next two weeks, we're going to have a little look on this. And I'm wondering this morning, do we have any shepherds in the room? For the benefit of the live stream, oh, we do, we have one. For the benefit of the live stream, there was a distinct silence when I asked that question. Any sheep experts? Anyone like sheep? Like at this time of year, you know, where you see the little lambs jumping in the fields, yes? Well, we live on a farm. That does not make me a shepherd. I don't, I, I like people. I leave other people to do animals, is how, how I feel. But we've had about 25 lambs born on our um, farm this, uh, this spring so far. And there's one that's become a favorite. I was introduced to him this week. Here he is. This is Doug. He's got a name. And um, I, don't know what, I don't know what naming him means when we come to this time next year. But that is not my problem. And um, Doug is about eight weeks old. And he follows my brother around. I've got a picture this is his shepherd. He follows my brother around like a little dog, like he's a little puppy going out for walks. This is Doug. And um, because I am not a shepherd, and I don't really know much about sheep, except for I have a friend called Doug who's a sheep, what I want us to do this morning as we think about the good shepherd is I want us to look through the eyes of a shepherd, because I think there's some expertise for us to gain some insight from. And so as we consider Jesus' statement, I am the good shepherd, we're going to look through the eyes of a shepherd, through an ancient shepherd. And we're going to jump into another passage of scripture this morning that's quite well known, probably to lots of us. Maybe it's new and fresh to you this morning. But I believe that as we look at it again this morning, that God has something to speak to us. As we look through the eyes of a shepherd and what it means that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And so we're going to look through the eyes of David at Psalm 23 this morning. And I want us to consider what do sheep teach us about the shepherd? What do sheep teach us about the shepherd? So let's have a little look. Are you ready? Psalm 23. Let's go. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, and so I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I'm going to pause there and we're going to look at the rest of the passage as we continue this morning. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, but that sounds good. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And I think the word makes is really fascinating. Because when you make someone do something, 
it could be forceful, couldn't it? You know, I, I think of moments in, in, in our family life when our children were young when you made them go to bed and you gently wrestled them into a cot with a loving heart, but probably a little bit frustrated that they're still awake. You know, it, it's not that God forces us to rest, but that he creates us to rest and that he enables us to rest. And that's one of the first things I think that, that sheep teach us about the shepherd is that the good shepherd enables us to find true rest. That the good shepherd enables us to find true rest because he makes us to rest. He creates us to rest and he enables us to rest. You see, that's how he wired us. That's how he wired and created all things in a pattern of work and of rest. You know, when we look at the Genesis account of creation, we see even God lays out this pattern of six days of work and one day of rest. You know, when we think about land, uh, Again, I'm I'm not an expert just because I live on a farm, but I've heard this. That fields do better if they have a year's break. That they are more fruitful if they have a year's break just to do nothing, to rest. Then they come back the next year more fruitful. We see it in ourselves, don't we? That as humans, we flourish when we take time to rest on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on an annual basis. That's how the Good Shepherd created us. That he makes us, he creates us to rest. But not only that, that he not only wires us that way, but he makes it possible for us. He enables us. And here's what's really interesting, at least I think so, about sheep. You see, it's strangely impossible for sheep to lie down unless four things are in place, unless four requirements are met. You see, sheep, sheep are actually quite timid, and, and so they won't lie down unless they are free from fear. And they're also very social beings. And so if there's any friction between them and another sheep, they don't want to lie down. And they can't lie down if they're bothered by fleas or parasites or if they are um, aggravated by hunger. So for a sheep to lie down, there's quite a lot that they need in place. And I just love it that Psalm 23 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. That not only does he wire me for rest, but he is the one that sets me free from all those things that hold me back from true rest. That all those things that hold me back and prevent me from experiencing rest, the good shepherd enables us to find true rest, to be at peace. He's the one who frees us from fear. You know, that nagging thought in the back of our minds. He's the one who brings reconciliation where there's breakdown in relationship, that thing that weighs on us. He's the one who brings healing, who nourishes our soul. He's the good shepherd who not only made us for rest, but enables us to rest, who frees us and liberates us from all those things that hold us back from rest, from peace in him. And I don't know where you are this morning or what you're walking through, but maybe there's something that holds you back from that rest. Maybe there's a fear in the back of your mind that just day after day is just there. Maybe there's a concern about your health or your your financial situation or a worry about your family, even a fear about God, just nagging at the back of your mind. Maybe there's 
Maybe there's a, a relational breakdown that weighs on you. Well, I believe it's Jesus, the good shepherd, that brings us freedom and healing in all of those places so that we can lie down in green pastures, so that we can find rest. And a little bit later this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to that. Let's carry on with verse 4. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they bring me comfort. And here's the second thing I think we can see that sheep teach us about the shepherd is that the good shepherd draws us into a place of safety so that he can bring healing. He draws us into a place of safety so that he can bring healing to our hearts and our minds and our bodies. And so it talks here about the rod and the staff. And it says that they comfort me. And I've got an image here in case you're not familiar of what a rod and a staff would look like. So the rod looks a bit like a club and it would be used for protection. So it would be used to very strategically and skillfully throw at any predators in order to protect the flock. And then the staff, as you can see, it kind of has a hook around it. And so the staff was used to draw the sheep close. It, was, um, it, was, it would be put around the sheep's neck and to draw them close. So if a sheep was wandering off, it was a staff that would be used to bring them back, to bring them back close to the shepherd. If they got lost, it would be a staff that would be used. And a staff was also used to help bring um, one sheep close to another. So, for example, if, if, a, if a sheep had had a lamb and the lamb was um, wandering off or had got a bit lost, then a shepherd would use a staff to bring the, the lamb back to its mother so that it wasn't getting in the way, so that he wasn't getting in the way and confusing the lamb's understanding of who's my provider. And so a staff was used for intimacy. A staff was used to bring the flock back close. And, so, and the rod, as well, as well as being used as a method of protection against predators, a rod was also used for examining the flock. See, I don't know, uh, lambs look really cute at this time of year, don't they? But then they get bigger and bigger, and their, their, their wool expands and um, become incredibly heavy because of the wool. And the rod would be used to part the wool and examine the sheep. Because if there was some unhealthiness about the sheep, if there was some disease or if there was some sickness, it would be easy for that to go unnoticed because the wool would cover it. And so the rod was, would, would be used to part the wool in order to examine the sheep, in order to, to check, is this sheep well or does it need my attention? Is it poorly in some way? Is there something that I need to do? And I just think that's such a beautiful image for us. Because sometimes if we're honest, we want to keep the wool all around us, don't we? We want to turn up with our big fleece and we're like, we're doing great, we're doing fine. But if anyone comes near me with a rod and starts to examine, they're going to see that I'm carrying pain and brokenness. And isn't that all of our story? if we're honest, that as we go through this wonderful and challenging thing called life, we pick pain and we pick brokenness up. And we can choose to, to leave it where it is. We can choose to hide it. We can choose to make our fleece look really shiny so no one notices. 
or we can allow the shepherd to draw us in close with his staff and begin to examine. And it's in that place of security and that place of safety with the one who knows us unconditionally, who loves us unconditionally, knows every part of us, even the parts that we don't yet know. It's in that place that it's a safe place where we can allow that pain to be revealed so that it can be healed. Because when things are hidden away and, and kind of behind our shiny fleece, they stay there. And, and, and they impact the way we live, don't they? Some, sometimes they come out at just the wrong moment and we think, where did that come from? Why did I say that? Why did I just respond in that way? Well, it's because I haven't allowed the good shepherd to draw me close and actually begin to reveal that pain and that brokenness that I'm, that I'm carrying so that he can bring healing. Because it's him who brings healing, isn't it? And it's when that, that is revealed that we can find healing. And that doesn't mean that we reveal it, announce it on Facebook. You know, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. But pouring our hearts out to God pouring our hearts out to him and, and one or two wise people who love us, who can help us to work it through, help us to walk it out, help us to, to know what to do as we find healing. You know, and maybe that stirs something in us this morning and we're challenged. That maybe there's something that I'd rather, I, I've kept hidden that maybe God just wants to reveals so that he can bring healing. And if that's stirring in us this morning, then there's an opportunity for us to respond in this place of safety and in this place of security. Because it's the good shepherd who draws us close so that he can bring healing. Let's carry on with Psalm 23, verse 5. I just, I love this image. I want you to picture it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So here's the, the next thing I want us to understand that sheep teach us about the shepherd is that the good shepherd invites us to celebrate in the face of adversity and to minister in the midst of our trials. That he prepares a table before me. That sounds good, doesn't it? I just want you to imagine for a moment. I don't know what you picture when you picture Jesus, the one who said, I am the good shepherd. But I want you to imagine for a moment that Jesus invites you to a table. He's laid a table for you. He has prepared it for you. The one, he knows you and he loves you and he delights in you. And he's invited you to come to this table and to feast. And so you sit and you eat and you enjoy and you're in his presence and you're with him and you begin to realize, hang on a sec, I'm not alone here. It's not just me and Jesus. And as you look around, you begin to see, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I don't mean picture the face of your boss or your neighbor, okay? But the challenges that we work through, the trials that we're walking through, the things that are weighing on us, just the life that happens before us, 
But if someone were looking at you, they wouldn't even notice that that is what you are surrounded by because you're so focused on the feast before you, on the table laid before you. And the invitation of Jesus to celebrate, because that's what we do over a meal, isn't it? We celebrate. You know, it's a birthday, we're going to go out for a meal. It's an anniversary, we're going to go out for a meal. They've lifted lockdown and restaurants are open, we're going to go out for a meal to celebrate. That's what we do with food, isn't it? We celebrate. And Jesus invites us to the table to live a life of celebration, even with our enemies watching on almost sneering, but if if someone looked in, they wouldn't even know that I was aware that they were there because I'm focused on the feast in front of me that the good shepherd has laid before me to live a life of celebration. And you know, sometimes there are days when you think, what have I got to celebrate? Have you ever had those days where you're just, you can't see the food, you can just see the enemies looking on? Well, even on those days, we still have so much to celebrate, don't we? We have life that he has given us. We have his nature, his character, his kindness, what he's done in our lives year after year, what he's still got ahead of us. Even on the darkest days, there is so much to celebrate as we sit at the table with him. It's as if we are in the calm despite the storm. You know, we talk about the calm before the storm. Well, the storm's always raging, But we can be calm despite the storm kind of people. One of my childhood friends was a girl named Amy. And um, when Amy was nine years old, she went on the kids' camp with our church. And there was a tradition at kids' camp. And even before I went, I heard about the tradition and I could not wait. Because on the final night, what the leaders would get together all the tuck that hadn't been purchased by the kids during the week. And they would give it out to the tents at like 11 o'clock at night. Which, as a parent, I'm like, this is irresponsible. But it was fun as a child. And we had a midnight feast come to our tent with all the leftover tuck on the last night. And my friend Amy, on the last night of her, te- of her camp when she was nine years old, was handed a taxi chocolate bar. Let's check the generation's room. Does anyone remember the chocolate biscuit called the taxi? Yeah? She was handed one of these, and she was delighted. Now, there was a terrible storm that night, and so the leaders, although they'd managed to deliver all the tuck, the leaders were pretty busy. They were catching tents from flying away. They were trying to reassure children. They were reassigning children from flooded tents into ones that hadn't yet been flooded. They were trying to protect the equipment. And there was one leader who, in the midst of holding onto a tent with two hands, felt a little tap on his back, and he turned around, And there was Amy with her taxi saying, can you open my taxi? Can you open my taxi? She was unaware of the storm around her because all she was focusing on was the feast that she had been given. Calm despite the storm. Those are the kind of people that God invites us to be, to celebrate in the face of our adversity, to celebrate in the midst of the trials. We're not pretending the storm isn't going on around us. But we remain people who celebrate the goodness of God because he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That verse would be much more comfortable if it was you prepare a table before me and you remove my enemies. But that's not what it says. And that's not my experience. And I'm sure it's not yours. But there is a place we can sit at that table in celebration 
He prepares a table before me, and I will be in calm despite the storm. I wonder if the band could come and help us as we begin to reflect a little bit more, and as we prepare to have an opportunity to respond this morning to the Good Shepherd, who wants to work in our lives. Because in this verse, it's not just that we're invited to celebrate in the face of adversity, but that we're invited to minister in the midst of our trials. You know, not only that I can feast and be happy and content at my table with the Lord, but that he invites me to live a life of overflow, as we heard from Jeff a few weeks ago. That he invites me to live a life where what he is doing in me overflows into the lives of others. And it has this image of he anoints my head with oil. This was used for for those who would minister to others. The anointing oil was the, the power and the presence, the purpose of God poured out on one so it would pour out on others. So that they could minister to others, lead others, serve others. And I just love this, that in the presence of my enemies, he anoints my head with oil. That in the presence of the challenges going on around me and the trials and and the difficulties, that he still anoints my head with oil so that I can pour out to others, so that I can minister to others, so that I can give to others. Around four years ago, I'd been suffering from stress for a number of months. And then there's one particular day where I was physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, and I am... I sat in a meeting with some colleagues at work and I just had one of those like, have you, have you ever felt like, I don't know if I'm awake right now. I look it, but I don't even know if I'm awake and I have nothing to contribute to this meeting. I can't string three words together. I don't know if anyone else has ever felt like that. It was one of those. And the day continued, I got through the day, um, got through family, life, got the kids to bed, and getting the kids to bed was a little bit difficult, which was not unusual, but it was like the straw that broke the camel's back, and um, at that point, I had, um, I had a panic attack for the first time, and it was really intense, and it was really scary, and it was really exhausting, and I know it's a, pa- I know it's a panic attack because Dr. Google told me afterwards, and um, it, was, it was a challenging season to walk out of, and do you know what my biggest fear My biggest fear was, does this disqualify me? Am I out of serving God? Because I'm walking through this. Because I'm I'm sat at the table and I've got this enemy that's kind of stirring within me. But you know what I have come to realize? That in the presence of my enemies, he anoints my head with oil. That the things going on around me don't disqualify me from serving God. I can't just leave them. I've got to do something. I've got got to work through that, which I've done for four years and I will continue to do. But the answer to my biggest fear, my biggest question in that season is no. This does not take you out of the game. This does not disqualify you because in the presence of your enemies, not only does he invite you to feast at the table, but he anoints your head with oil. And what, what happened after that was two days later, I got up and I preached on this platform. I didn't know if I could do it, but I did. A, a year later, Pete and I became, took on a new responsibility. We became the associate leaders here. 
exactly one year from me asking the question, am I out of the game? Can I, can I be a leader? Can I pour into others? And since then, I've had so many opportunities to share one-on-one with people walking through that same thing, walking through something else, to say, I get it, you're not alone. This does not disqualify you. Let me tell you what I've learned and hopefully help you take a little step in your journey because I've been there and I'm, and I'm still going. I'm still walking because he anoints my head with oil, even in the presence of my enemies. And that we don't just minister despite our enemies, our challenges, our trials, but we minister out of them. It's powerful and it's profound when we minister out of our challenges, our trials, and the things that we work through. And I want us to begin to reflect this morning on what we've heard. And I want to give us a chance to respond in this place. Because maybe, and if we can just close our eyes for a few moments across this place. Maybe there's something that's kind of stirred you this morning. Maybe there's something that's resonated with you. Now, maybe you are feeling weary and burdened. But it's Jesus, the good shepherd, who says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, maybe there's a nagging fear in the back of your mind, and you've never actually told anyone, but it's there all the time. And it stops you from really resting and enjoying life. And maybe there's a relationship in your life that's broken down and you, you want to see reconciliation and you can bring that to God this morning. Maybe it was many years ago. Maybe it's very recent. And maybe there's a challenge going on in your life and you too have asked yourself the question, does this disqualify me? If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at lifelanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our network.